is up internet. He's a mind-reading, shape-shifting incarnation of chaos. My name is Matthew Kroll. And you're not safe until you drive a stake through his still-beating hot. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Interview with Ethan Hunt. Dun, 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 dun. Wow, that's wow. a lot of words. That is a lot of words. So he is, in a, in a previous film, he is the manifestation of destiny. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Uh, he is, there is no room he cannot, there's no information he cannot capture sure. I, I wanted to say penetrate but i felt like that was too no, sleazy he could penetrate, that he information. Could penetrate information yeah although he is oddly sexless which we should get into this week. yeah well he's now a messiah <laughs> yes he is he ethan hunt yeah the man of the hour yep. the 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 savior of cinema yeah <laughs> the the alter ego of tom cruise sure uh is a masonic figure uh-huh. who can fly into any country sure take on any face uh-huh uh, extract any information. Sleep with no one. Sleep with no. Well, no, he sleeps with someone just off screen. Very, very like disagree. Chastely. Disagree. You don't think you sleep with Elsa in this nope. movie? The okay. There okay. is no. There is no hint. Spoiler alert <laughs> of any sexual tension. There is a deep affection mm. shown. It is very. It is very like brother sisterly, uh-huh. right? But the, I, I've listened to other podcasts this week, which is in, implicated. Look, we jumped right into the hi, movie here. Well, hi, 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 everybody. We got a lot to talk about with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, so much so that we jumped straight into it. So apologies to that. Welcome to the show. Um, hi. Let's talk about sex. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby, with Ethan Hunt. Maybe. maybe. Let's talk about all the good things. Uh, okay. And the bad things. And, and often bad things. Just kidding. There is no sex. Um, but here's the weird part. So okay. I have just okay. recently started rewatching the Mission Impossible Okay, because I'm going to ask you to do something as well. Okay, but but I would just on the sex topic. <laughs> yeah. One through three, I would say, are not sexless. Well, it's, one is Brian De Palma, baby. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's so like, like I, it's, it's a horny as fuck movie. Uh, two, when looked at as a uh, sleazy romance lo- novel, as Jamie has taught me to do, <laughs> I have found a newfound respect for. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, and three is is very emotionally and sometimes in an odd way uh, sexually charged. So, well, romantically, I mean, he does yeah. have sex on camera. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, literally, but he has sex on, on screen in that film yeah. with... His new wife, Michelle Monaghan, yep. inside of a uh, a hospital closet with needles flo- floating around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is the which most is... romantic place. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you've just been watching these recently. Um, Mission Impossible is obviously a major um, franchise in the history of franchises as we've been going. It's been uh, going for about 20 plus years now. Mm. Um, it probably set the mold for what Fast and the Furious became. Um and and it's probably do, would you say in the sort of category of these larger franchises like this like John Wick like um Fast and the Furious as I mentioned um it's kind of the classy elder statesman yes this I I forget exactly uh I was actually talking to Patrick Williams about this okay uh, and I, I we we were talking about both franchises yeah and the, Fast and the Furious is like <laughs> okay. This isn't how we actually put it. I'm going to remember this exactly, but it was something like Mission Impossible is the elder statesman. Okay. There's no question. Yeah. Mission Impossible is like, I care about Mission Impossible because the films make you care about characters in ridiculous situations. I care about uh, 
the Fast and the Furious folks because of the memification of family. Okay, like yeah. there's a, there's a different campiness to there's, yes, yeah. and and um, there, that is a very interesting dichotomy in this sense. I would say that there are, I don't know, John Wick's one of them too, mm-hmm. and I don't think Fast Fast actually falls out of this. Action successful large action franchises mm-hmm. that don't actively take the piss out of the action franchise as they engage with its content. So, like Mission Impossible doesn't joke around about Mission Impossible. Mm. Uh, John Wick doesn't joke around about John Wick. Yeah. Uh, Fast the Fast franchise acts like it doesn't joke around, but it does. Right. Um, well, I'm I mean, trying... just, last week we just did Indiana Jones. Uh, um, you and know, that the, joke's around, too. That joke's around, yeah. yeah. The James Bond franchise, which is obviously is the is the standard bearer for yeah. all of this. Yeah. Uh, James Bond probably doesn't joke around. The Terminator certainly does. Uh, it does point. now, yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. So, so, like, there's... Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, everything Star Wars, everything Marvel, everything of that ilk has sort of the yucks built in. Yeah. Um, and Mission Impossible does not. Mission Impossible, despite its plot being just as ridiculous as a Fast and the Furious movie at this point, yeah. uh, takes itself direly seriously, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Okay. Like, it treats its... It treats its material as serious an affair as it possibly can. Right. With with uh, unflinching. Okay. And I appreciate that in action cinema. Okay. Um, look, the plot of this movie, as we'll get into, is probably <laughs> the most ridiculous one of all of these, but they've all been kind of ridiculous. There's often the case that there is a world in... It's funny, I rewatched three recently... And uh, in it, Simon Pig has this monologue about if we don't know what this thing is, we can usually presume it is some sort of world-ending device because everybody wants to get their hands on it. Right. And lo and behold, that is generally the plot of most of the Mission Impossible movies. Yes. There is a world-ending device that some nefarious plot is around wants to get their hands on. And three is the only one where they don't explain it, right? Which is why I love three. I know, three. you love I, it. I love three I so like much. three too. I don't think it's my favorite. Okay. Um, so th- this is what I was going to ask yeah. you. Uh, because I've just, and I've scribbled this down in my, in, in our document, uh, what, how I would rank the movies uh, before putting uh this one d- in before it. before putting this one in right so then so then we can kind of have a baseline to see where we're coming from sure um I, do you want me to go first Please. I, I've yeah, asked yeah, you yeah. On, the, uh, yeah. on the on the yeah on the I, I got it I'll, I'll figure it out okay so I would put three at the at the top but I would interchange that with one depending on how I was feeling on the day those two are my 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 classic standard bearers for the for the franchise I think three sits up for what the franchise becomes, and one is the strongest entry probably of the franchise in general. Sure. Um, so I go three, one, Fallout, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and then Mission Impossible 2. Three, is, one, six, four, five, two. Yeah, three, okay. one, six, four, five, two. Okay. Uh, That's the same I, combination this, I have on my luggage. <laughs> sometimes, that, for some reason... Uh, three is a controversial top t- top ticket. I know. You just watched it recently, I, I, and, listen, you, and I, you recall was it on our Evil Dead episode? I mentioned that I love three, and Patrick Willems was like, "What the hell is wrong?" I with know. You? And here's the thing: I really like three as well. Yeah. I don't think it's my favorite one. Yeah. And I I think as I age, I start appreciating less and less the the mystery box bullshit. Yeah. Um. But. I, there is no question that Mission Impossible 3 is an entertaining as fuck film. There's it's none. Just, it's, what I find very strange is that people will rank 3 as the worst below I, Mission Impossible 2. I don't see that. Yeah, I don't get that. At I all. think what I would say okay. at this point yeah. might be mm-hmm. 
so let's see. It I'm going to write these down as you go. Okay. Six is okay. my number one. That's Fallout. Yep. Followed by one. Yep. The Brian De Palma. Followed by f- four. Ghost Protocol. Followed by three or two in an interchanging spot now because Whoa, two. Because two. To you. Because two. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> no, watch it's just it. the, I don't care about that. I know, Your I rank, know. It's the interchangeability f- factor. You for know you. what? Fine. <laughs> two. No, no, I don't three, care. I don't care. <laughs> five. Let's do that. Okay, so Rogue Nation is your least favorite. Yes. Fallout is your favorite. So that's interesting. A Christopher McQuarrie is your both, the Christopher McQuarrie ones, your favorite is a Christopher McQuarrie, and your least favorite is a Christopher McQuarrie. And I'll tell you why, and this might not be fair. Yeah. I don't remember Rogue Nation. Fair enough. I I, actually, I, I can't tell you a thing that happens in Rogue Nation. I, I, I mean, the biggest thing about Rogue Nation for me is the introduction of Ilsa, uh, Ilsa Faust. Uh, that takes place on scaffolding, yes? Yes, that takes place in a... In okay, a sort of, I remember uh, one thing. I <laughs> thought that was in Ghost Protocol, but yeah. I don't know. This is my point about four... Five. Four, four and four five. And five. Uh, yeah, four and five I find fairly interchangeable, although as I've rewatched them, I have found that Ghost Protocol has a little bit more inventive fun to it that I can latch onto. It's kind of the Brad Bird factor of it. Yeah. Um, and I, there's something about Ghost Protocol that I like even more now having watched Dead Reckoning. Yeah, um, I could see something like I'm looking forward to the only reason I paused because Jamie and I were watching it together and she's been out of town. Okay. So I'm we're, I'm gonna continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh I this is a this is a fair ranking. This is a you know, nothing controversial in this, although for some a lot of people Rogue Nation is one of their favorites. Um, but I'm I like I'm how you. in our document I, I did do the definitive I did do the definitive <laughs> two comma three. You had three comma two, so I'm just gonna put that back in there. All right, all right. All right. So tell us what and, and of course uh, a lot that we are entering the sort of amazing three weeks of the summer blockbuster. We've got Mission Impossible, uh, Barbie, Barbie. A- and Oppenheimer coming yep. out. So this is there's this weird trifecta of three films that are meant to save us at the box office. And we actually, by the way, that's the order of podcasts you're going to be getting. <laughs> right. Okay. So in this one that because you're listening to right now. We are nothing if not shells. Uh, much respect to the union and solidarity with the writer's strike. A thousand percent. And the actor's strike as well. A thousand percent. We are not uh, getting paid or we are not uh, yeah. in any way in the employee of studios nope. for this podcast. So you can uh, listen to it freely without feeling like We are, are making zero money <laughs> off of this. Yeah. And uh, uh, brought to you by no one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it's Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. You're listening to it right now. Then yeah. it's going to be Barbie. Yep. Then it's going to be Oppenheimer. Then it's going to be Talk to Me, possibly mm. followed by Ninja Teen, Turtles. Ninja Turtles, something like uh, that. Mutant Mayhem. And then we've got to get in some uh, some foreign releases or something, or else my head will explode. I, I understand. <laughs> um, tell us what Dead Reckoning is about so <laughs> I, I know we got to deal with a serious Mission face Impossible. Point. Dead, Dead Reckoning, Reckoning Part, part one. 1's description on the Internet Movie Database mm-hmm. could literally be any of the Mission Impossible films. In fact, I wish they just wrote this for all of them. It reads, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. And as it, t- You know what I like about this one? No, actually, it's not what I like. What I think is the most ridiculous thing about sure. this one is that the weapon itself is the villain. Yes. Right? Like, which is unlike uh, any of the others. In the others, there is a, a weapon that everybody is trying to get a hold of. In this case, the weapon itself is the villain. Is trying to not get a hold of itself, except it wants one of its acolytes to get the weapon. Well, the key in order to ensure the weapon's weapon safety. Safe, we, yeah, ensure that the weapon is not. <laughs> Here's the other thing about this movie. <laughs> okay. 
and I was warned about this from multiple people. Okay. People that have seen it have liked it from overall that I've discussed it with. Right. However, it does seem like people get a little lost as to what the the whole movie takes place on um, the maneuverability and the placement of two halves of a key. Not unlike Indiana Jones? Sure. Um, was there another film that involved two, two pieces? There, uh, yes, yeah. of course there are. Yeah. Um, and then, but then the other mystery is, well, what does it unlock? And they're like, oh, it unlocks something having to do with, quote, the entity, which is a sentient AI that can infect and control any digital system. But already is controlling. It's already doing it. And, Side and, and, note, the beginning on the submarine in yeah. this one, I love. Yeah, the, the beginning of the submarine was great. It reminded me a lot of Crimson Tide or Hunt for the Red October or something like that. Um, the question of what the key unlocks is answered in the first few seconds of the film. Yeah, right? and, like, and then everyone's wondering, like, where, where, where? And it's like, in the sub. In the ocean. And, like, this- it seemed like it was, it, it, it showed the audience information that it felt like the characters didn't know forever. Now, to be fair, the convolution of the plot could be that we, we don't quite understand what's inside, because what's inside, what does the key unlock? Because as far as we know, if the entity can already exist without being at the bottom of the ocean, like why would it not just upload itself or why would it not inhabit some other, you know, like physical data storage device other than the one that's at the bottom of the ocean? And, because and I imagine just, it's the safest there. But but also is it is it running power from the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, nuclear. That thing can run for hundreds of years. Oh, is that what it is? It's a nuclear It's a nuclear sub. And and it's and it's currently running power despite the fact that it got hit with the torpedo, it is running power. That's my to, best guess. <laughs> it's running power to that device which is which is also connected to the it, or, c- connected to the worldwide web. Or. Yeah. That's where the original source code is housed cuz they do bring up in this film <laughs> that the only thing that can stop this ever evolving AI yeah. is its original source code. So it's possible that they are going after the source code. Again, this is the weird thing about this particular MacGuffin. It, A, is the villain, but also there's still a lot of questions around it. Good thing this is just a part one. Well, also, and it kind of reminds me of the thing of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is that if you can't get access to the source code, couldn't you get access to the person who wrote the source code? Like in the dot, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it's a Russian artificial no, intelligence. No, she here actually. No, was it Russian? See, I don't. I don't think it. I don't know. But no, I, look, not all of that is gobbledygook because because they are just talking about this AI. Because Ethan Hunt is a mind reading, <laughs> shape shifting incarnation of chaos, and you will not be safe until you drive a stake through his still beating heart. Which made me think that possibly Ethan Hunt is just. Uh, uh, Lestat? Lestat. Yeah, yeah he's Lestat Lo- the, the Lionheart. Was that yeah. his name? He's from uh, Waterloo, where the vampires <laughs> hang yeah. out. Well, he's from France, where yeah. even scarier vampires hang out, mm. with Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> he is just, and, and that all makes sense because he is uh, everlasting, so to speak. Uh-huh. And he has not aged a day past 25 at this point. Um, I would disagree. <laughs> you think he looks older? I think he, in this movie he looks much older. And I think it's I think it's the suits and the faces with the tight neck neck collar and like like I, I, you know what's he odd. doesn't look bad he looks great I mean, yeah, of course he does it goes without saying but he looks like an older gentleman you know what's funny to me is i felt he looked older in fallout than he did in this one really i, I thought oh, in this I... one he looked uh he looked uh tight 
yeah, tight. <laughs> you know, no. like in a good way, not in a sort of a wrinkly I, way. I, I actually <laughs> thought Fallout, he looked older. I mean, sorry, no, sorry, I thought this one, he looked older than Fallout. Okay, all right. Uh, which makes sense cr- chronologically. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we got to talk about a few things because we obviously we talk about this in the context of the entire franchise. The, one of the things that I like about this franchise is that every movie seems to be, uh, uh, other than this one, every movie seems to be a standalone adventure. Yep. Like doesn't require information about previous ones. There has been some, uh, since part three, uh, the introduction of Michelle Monaghan's character has been uh, uh, a sort of... Um, a ghost in the a, background, yeah, a protocol in, of one of Yeah, you know, that she has come back every now and again. But other than... It's not critical to know that um, for the sake of this. Ilsa Faust, obviously, uh, kind of fills that role. There's a great article this week uh, by Roxana Hadidi, who's been on the show, mm-hmm. who wrote this great... Head- oh, the, the headline for Vulture well, was... You shouldn't, well, here's the question. <laughs> Should you say the headline yet? Because the headline in and of itself is a spoiler for the film. Did I reveal what I said, what the spoiler was in this in no. this discussion so far? Not yet. Okay, all right, all right. We'll hold off on that for, right. for a little bit. Um, but... But uh, I a very think good it, article though. It, I just I, the headline itself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh well, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you were rewatching them, yes, was there was there an interesting thing about like how Ethan Hunt has transformed across the series for you that was of note? Like like did 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 Ethan Hunt? Did, was there an evolution of his character for Ethan you? Ethan Hunt became a sexless messiah after he had to divorce his wife that he fell in love with to protect her from his lifestyle. Okay. That's my that and Are I Are you talking about like a sex thing right now? <laughs> like I'm saying he became he became truly sexless. He he look, not that he has to have sex. Yeah. But he he was like he had some sexual energy in one through three. Oh my god! In one, that the the kiss with uh-huh. um, Vanessa Redgrave, uh-huh. who is Vanessa Kirby's mother, in yeah. this in the franchise, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I love that moment. By the way, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, my point being, I, I, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. I might be incredibly wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Um, does he ever sleep with anybody or have romantic, like a romantic even kiss or something with any other character after three? I don't I think he kisses Vanessa Kirby, but as a as a tactical maneuver. Sure. <laughs> um, as you do. As you do. A very Captain America move. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to do it for the team. Yeah. Um I again I will you've just come in and said that you don't think he and Elsa has sex. No. I listened to a podcast which suggested they did. I had no feeling about it one way or the other, to Listen, be honest. I could with you. say that they did, but they, there's nothing in the film that hints that that happened. Other than a slow fade out and the next scene they're holding hands. Yeah. Uh, on the boat. Okay, it's listen. I, I'm I'm saying some people took that as that they that they had sex. Some people <laughs> yeah. need to get out a little more. Uh, that's that that's how not, you have sex, right? Like you, <laughs> you hug, you hug, and you, you put fade your out. head on someone's shoulder <laughs> and fade out and hold hands, going to a party. Yeah, it is very much like a Bollywood movie at that point. That's it is, just. That's it's just, also like a teenage uh, PG movie. That's what straight fucking looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so he is he is incredibly sexless. Um, but also a messiah figure, and and weirdly, you in in classic Catholicism and many other religions, yeah. you have to kind of become sexless to become a messiah figure. Right. Jesus wasn't fucking. Well, <laughs> if Jesus was real, Jesus definitely was fucking. Okay. But right. that's not what the church teaches. <laughs> Shout out to all my theologians uh, yeah. <laughs> out there. Uh, well, this is getting really serious. Okay. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I you you've hit on something on the head that that has actually grown to annoy me 
the more the Mission Impossible franchise is going on. I'm I'm okay with it because it's not central to the plot, and there's it's kind of the way the the story has evolved at this point. But Ethan Hunt is meant to be a spy, right? Yet everybody knows who he is. Everyone in the organizations it, do. Everyone in the organizations they do. They also it. know his entire team. Yeah, they know his entire team. He's never used an alias at this point. Also, and he he keeps just ignoring rules. He, he he's he is uh, a rogue nation unto himself. Uh-huh. And he is Rogue Nation in, under Tom, indivisible. Uh, un- entirely unstoppable. Everybody is afraid of him because he is the best at the best around, right? Yeah. Uh, the reason I love three, by the way, um, isn't just because Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in it, is because Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Ewan Davies, I think his name is, yep. uh, Owen Davies, does not give a fuck about Ethan Hunt. He just like does, straight up, he's like, you're in my way. I will kill you. I will kill your wife. I don't give a fuck about you. Well, you are unimportant to me. Oh, and disagree. Really? He, well, so in the beginning, mm. yes. But then after he threatens spoilers for three, when uh, Ethan- But all he wants is the rabbit foot. That's all he wants. He doesn't give you know what I mean? Like in no. later in later films, Ethan Hunt is this like 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 for Solomon is it Solomon Lane, who's the villain in uh Fallout? Sure. Ethan Hunt is an existential crisis for him oh, yeah, who yeah, he yeah. must overcome but in order to further his ideological is, to perspective. Say he doesn't, to say Philip Seymour Hoffman's character doesn't give a crap about him, he I, literally he does he gets back at him while getting the rabbit's foot. Yeah, but but my point is Ethan Hunt, it could be Ethan Hunt, it could be Ving Rhames' character. It could be whoever hung him outside of an airplane, yeah. and Ethan Hunt happened to do it, so yeah. it's Ethan Hunt. But but for Solomon Lane, for example... Oh, that's like the entirety of whatever. Yeah, his, his entire and existence. And even in this movie, the <laughs> villain, uh, Gabriel, yeah. played by uh, Gabriel Isai has like, Morales. Yeah. Uh, Very handsome man, by uh, the way. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has a... <laughs> I do hate this when you get to like sevens, eights, and nines. We got a retcon his like intro. Yeah. <laughs> So apparently there was some brunette that Ethan was in love with uh, before one. Yep. That this dude, Gabriel, killed. Yep. For reasons. And this is possibly what was the driving force for Ethan to become part of the IMF. Yes. Despite the fact that, one, he's he's in the IMF, but he's kind of like uh, his reasoning for going rogue and becoming an agent unto himself is is in that is baked into that narrative. Yes. So and to do I'm, it again or to give him like an extra I know. to 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 fridge another brunette. Oh, to, 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 you know what I mean? So many brunettes die. <laughs> or or are lost. Yeah. Uh it's, lost the time. It's, it's and there's weird. obviously this metatextual quality to it because of his who his wife once was at this point in the and the story of Tom Cruise and Oh, I didn't even think of that. Right, oh, like, <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> I mean, put put a photo of Katie Holmes and Michelle Monaghan next to each other from Mission Impossible Three. You got a whole story on you. Okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, so there there is this, as you say, the Masonic quality to Ethan Hunt that has happened over time. That um, you know, again, with Alec Baldwin saying he is the manifest, you know, he is the true manifestation of destiny. Um, to this one where he is, uh, you know, like this rogue figure in the IMF, not the International Monetary Fund, that everyone fears. Kittredge is back. To- I love Kittredge. <laughs> yeah, Kittredge, Kittredge is, great. is is great. <laughs> um, did you, f- like, I found, th- on a principal level, I found that to be, like, eye-rolling. Like to find f- what? To, to, that Ethan Hunt is referred to as this Masonic figure. Every time it's mentioned, or every time the film kind of implicates it, I found it to be kind of like, Ugh, really? Uh, sure. I mean, here's yes. 
But this is the weird thing, and I think it's a Tom Cruise thing, man. Right. He is the savior of movies. He, look, <laughs> a lot of what Tom Cruise has done in certain elements of his life is cringe. Okay. He's so good in films that people sort of sidestep that. Yeah. It, it's And, and I'm not saying he, he does not have a, good qualities. I'm saying there's just... It's okay. Ooh, this is weird. Ooh, 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 ooh. ooh, ooh. Tom Cruise. Oh God, this is a strange sentence. Here we go. I'm gonna. I might backpedal right off this after I say it. I just have to put it out in the world. Okay, do it. Tom Cruise is one of the last human stars. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a controversial. Not statement. just star like Movie this, star. but I'm talking about like a person that I look at who is involved in a bunch of shit that I don't like. Yeah. But yet I'll still show up and watch movies he's in. Yep. It's it, there's like a weird like and the reason I say human is <laughs> like is there's there's greatness and and epic flaws. Like right. but like not in his performance. His performances are all great. Like that's the kind of odd thing that he that he's just sort of right. His his job transcends his person and that might be a weird way as to the only reason that i don't roll my eyes when ethan hunt is referred to in these messianic and like savior-esque wordings yeah i mean you think about the uh the comparison to vin diesel in fast and the furious where he is you know dominic torito is is kind of referred to as a sonic figure the head of the family that kind of thing and there it's a little bit harder to take it like the eye roll comes a little bit but or, or you kind of enjoy the camp of it all that's the thing yeah. it's not eye rolly there because the entirety of everything mm. including his uh you know father of the family figurehead status yeah is all intrinsically silly right this ta- <laughs> ethan hunt is not silly it, i made the same point about top gun maverick which is that the 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 narrative in top gun you would think would be that um, uh, Maverick's character would need to make space for his uh, uh, for Goose's son to lead the way. That that's how that sort of narrative would go. Sure, but that's not what that movie's doing at all. That movie is like Maverick knows what he's doing. Get the fuck out of his way. <laughs> he's gonna save the day, right? Like, and that's what these movies are. Is like Maverick, you know. Ethan Hunt knows what he's doing. It's not like some, you know, like they tried to bring in Jeremy Renner into uh, Ghost Protocol, who, again, you would think would be like, okay, he's got something he could teach Maver- uh, Ethan Hunt. But no, no, that's not the case. He's, it's, it's all the other way around. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, this movie, I will say this. Okay. <laughs> this movie, Dead Reckoning Part One, yeah. does have characters call out Ethan for some bullshit. Okay. Namely, Thing the right. villain. No, no, no. Oh, okay. oh, the uh, Gabriel's like, oh, says to uh, a few of the women in this movie, I believe, <laughs> like, hey, you might want to be careful hanging around Ethan Hunt because <laughs> there's a disturbing uh, precedent set in his wake. Right. And it's funny to have the movie call that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then, of course, the, the the I guess the way that the movie gets away with that without making you turn on Ethan Hunt is it is Gabriel who has killed one of his one of his early brunettes right one of the mid the mid the yeah. the mid season brunettes yeah and uh, if, and and if Ethan Hunt had his way brunettes would not die 
in the okay, in, okay. In the let's series. get into this. <laughs> we're, we're we're getting into spoilers. So there's a certain point, and they do a lot. Listen, I think uh, Roxana's uh, article. Could you read the title of it now? It is the Mission Impossible movies are like Highlander for brunettes. So I could see why people might be like, "Oh crap!" Like that's a spoiler in the thing, which is fine. Listen, it's fine. Yeah, and it's a good headline. It's, it's just great it, it it. And it's also true. (laughs) Um, But I did read that after I saw the movie. Yeah. Um, And I, she's entirely correct. And so in this film, uh, Ilsa dies. Right. Kind of twice. Uh, Really only once. She she fake out dies at the beginning. Yep. And then dies again. Yep. Uh, So so (laughs) she's the brunette that has died the most. Right. But Uh, she could, she could come back. I hope not. I, th- then we're getting into a Gail Godot at the end of fucking fast nonsense. Yeah. She's in the submarine the entire time. Okay. Um, so Ilsa dies fighting Gabriel to save Haley Atwell's Grace. <laughs> okay. And Grace is the new brunette. Look, and also, let's. Okay. 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 I'm of two minds of this. Okay. Sure. One, it a just thousand happens. percent. A yeah. thousand percent, she's the new brunette. Right. They are different characters. And I fe- it feels a little bit pedantic to boil characters that I do feel are developed well for an action movie down to, oh, they're all just the brunettes. Wop, 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 wop. Well, but, but hold but, on, but yeah, that's yeah, one yeah, side. That's yeah, one yeah, side. That's yeah, one yeah. side. Okay. The other side is, <laughs> as far as the gears of what makes these plots move, mm-hmm. there's friggin' going on left and right. Right. And, and that does feel very... Kind of, not even kind of. That does feel very bullshit. Right. Um, I would prefer not that I don't love Luther or Benji. <laughs> Those motherfuckers should be dead. Right. Uh, I like if we're going to kill off Ethan's friends, family, and/or lovers, you have to. And he has a bunch of them. Right. You shouldn't just kill off the women. That looks similar to one another, and they're the ones that are replaced with another it, woman in every movie. In it, not in every, but in enough of them. Like yes. it's just it's, and it's weird. This is an odd thing to say. Okay, you're saying a lot of odd things today. I love it. I'm I'm feeling an odd mood. Bond. Okay. Yeah. That is a sort of shitty trope that is baked into James Bond. Yep. It's the reason the the last Daniel Craig films existed. But James Bond is kind of a womanizing dick. Right. So you're like, eh. Like, you, the mileage of your of your right. getting pissed off about that may vary. Right. Ethan Hunt is the messiah. <laughs> Ethan Hunt is beyond reproach. Right. Ethan Hunt is causing a lot of brunettes to die. <laughs> so. Not not at his own hand. No. But, in, but, in but his, on, a, okay. on a metatextual level, yeah. the film is replacing these, these women in and out. Um, Wait, and hold on. How many other brunettes have died? Not died, but Paul, but for example, Been Paula, replaced. Patton, Paula Patton was replaced. Uh, Michelle Monaghan's character was sidelined. Uh, Maggie Q from yep. Part Three. You've got um, Tandy Newton or Tandy Newton in um, Two. In Two. Yep. Uh, uh, Emmanuel Bart in in Bart in in the first one. And there's funny because as, as yeah. we were saying, yeah, one through three don't really connect. Mm-hmm. So I this is this is kind of an odd thing to me. The, love interests that in a spy movie that that leave and aren't mentioned again. Yeah. 
and, and to be fair, they're not all love interest, but they're just the brunette. Yeah. 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 Um, they that doesn't bother me as much when it's not connecting the stories. Mm-hmm. It does start to bother me when the the stories are all interconnected narratively. Right. But is Ilsa mm-hmm. the only character? Maybe we're I'm, maybe we're making a little too much out of this. Ilsa is the one character who's carried over three movies now and dies here and dies here. And it's we're only feeling weird about it because her and Haley Atwell have similar hairstyles. <laughs> and 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 the movie is positing that this character will become a like you've mentioned the triangle of Ethan Luther and uh-huh. um uh what's Simon Pig's character's name? Benji. Benji as a trifecta and on the uh, maybe orbiting that trifecta is always a female character who's interchangeable. It's strange because yeah. I know that well, actually, no. See, this is okay. Benji should have died. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone. No, needs, no, no, I, no, no, no. A character did need to die here, right? Because a messiah needs that <laughs> fuel. Yeah. But this is the interesting thing, right? If we're and again, you shouldn't write stories like this all the time. But hear me out. Luther and Benji's skill sets <laughs> are exactly the same. The only thing I like is that Luther used to go into the field. And now Benji goes into the field. Sure. That's that's the only difference. But I, they're both hackermen. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Uh, Ilsa is a fucking assassin. Yeah. And Grace is a thief. So if we're looking at the D&D classes, the tabletop RPG classes. Right. Um, there, there, there are redundancies on this team from a narrative perspective, and Ilsa wasn't one of them. Yep. Now, yep. again, we shouldn't write stories based around that, but <laughs> I, I I knew Ilsa was going to die for the second time. The, the second they had their uh, buttery-up uh, 14-year-old uh, head, head lean hand-hold <laughs> moment. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh, she did. <laughs> um, there's, no, there's no viewing of this movie where if you've paid attention to the other ones, that doesn't feel odd. Again, I think we've sort of said two very interesting sides of that pendulum. Like, yeah. really, she's the only brunette that has died. Yeah. Uh, however, it still feels weird, and there are other characters that make more sense narratively to Axe if if not for um, follicle aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Luther with, with his bald head. Um, a jaunty hat <laughs> all around. Amazing hats and shirts. Uh, he really does the Panama Jack of the of the franchise. Yeah. Um, we haven't said uh, whether what we think of the movie. We talked about the I loved the, it. the ideological points of view of the movie. I loved it. Really? I loved it. Yeah. This is the movie. I, I, I said this uh, to a couple people. This is one of those movies that you walk out of afterward and you walk cooler. Hmm. Like... I was just pumped after it. Right. And like I noticed myself walking down the street leaving the Lincoln <laughs> Lincoln Center AMC. Yeah. Uh Lincoln Square. And I'm just like you get that weird feeling for like I don't know a half hour or your 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 length may vary uh of just being like walking like a badass in a way. <laughs> and I got to be honest you here. There's not a lot of movies these days that make me feel that way. Okay. Even like the the other like Fast definitely doesn't. John Wick doesn't. John Wick. John Wick is like <laughs> John Wick is a 
this sounds odd, but like an emotional workout. Not that like I'm so tied up with, oh my God, what's going to happen to these characters? But it's just a bunch of brutality yeah. at a character that you like and you hope survives and you're happy survived by the skin of his fucking teeth. This movie is like just for whatever reason when i left it made me feel like a million bucks <laughs> and uh there are few major action franchise like marvel doesn't do that for me anymore okay uh and so when i left i clocked it i was like oh i'm i'm this is okay yeah and i don't know i i really enjoyed it outside of a couple of the things we've talked about before i'm sure we'll come up with a few others um i don't know i i I dug it. What about you? I feel like I feel like you're gonna go a little bit different. I am gonna go a little bit different, which is that uh, I found um, I found myself getting tired of this movie within about an hour. Oh no! And and I found that the more that they had conversations about the entity, loved it. I was uh, uh, getting bored out of my skull. Um, thought it was like pretty silly. Uh, and I also found that, um, yeah, the, the sort of reverence towards Ethan kind of a little bit redundant right now. I didn't think it had a good villain. I will say, um, the marketing for this movie and probably the last three of these movies has always been around the stunt. You know, like, what mm -hmm. is the stunt that is going to uh, blow your mind? And when it came to that factor, I did think the stunt was very, very well executed. I, like... The stunt in Ghost Protocol, I was like, it's not narratively needed, but it's cool. And 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 then I will say, I think one of my big problems, uh, particularly around four and five, um, Ghost Protocol and Rogue, Na Rogue Nation, one of my big complaints was that I felt like the movies had lost their storytelling ability and had become um, delivery devices for set pieces. Now, the set pieces were excellent, magic, love them, but I found that we were just sort of going from one set piece to the next, and I was not very engaged with it. And what I like, and so that's what I love about part three is that it doesn't feel like that. It feels like we go from set piece with a story that carries us through those set pieces. In Fallout, I think, does a, does a pretty good job of that. And I think when we get to the big set piece of this movie towards the end of it, I think that feels very organic to what is happening. And I did think. It was in a in an almost sort of Buster Keaton a la the general kind of way. Yep. It felt very well conceived and thought out. Sure. I, I think that that is that is what makes it worth. Until the but, very end of it. Until the very the very very end of it. Or the very end of that stunt sequence. The where he the train the, the uncharted sequence. No, no, that's fine. I, I think I, I was entirely with you. Yeah. The thing that really pissed me off sort of in this movie was the moment where Ethan smashes through the wall slash window of a train into oh, right. a guard. Yeah. I, I you know, I I think I think narratively that is um you know it's convenient. That's but, the most but, uh, Deus Ex thing I think yeah, I've but, seen in one of these movies. But I, you know what? I think the construction of that scene in order to get us to that point is great. Is really good. Yeah. Like I think like the, you've got all these things running concurrently on the train. You know, so Grace is trying to have to imitate Vanessa Kirby's character, mm -hmm. and then she's going to get into trouble, um, and she gets cornered. And at that moment, the character who we've forgotten about swoops in and and what's great is he doesn't look like he swoops in 
um, in a way that is like, I plan to do that. It just happens to be that is where he's crashed through, and he is injured. Well, he is like dazed and confused. He's not. He is. He lands, and he's like, hey, Grace. He you know, smashes like- through metal and glass and then gets up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I, like. Look, he do- but he doesn't look like he gets up and starts running right away. Like he is, he is genuinely dazed for a second and is on the ground Disagree. and unsure what to unsure what to do. Rewatch it. Um, I will. <laughs> I, I think my point here is the third act really works. Okay, but I did, as an overall thing, feel that this. If we're gonna come back, should we do our rankings now? Like we're like maybe that's oh. a good that's a good barometer to say of like sure. what, what I thought of it as a general. Uh, where I would insert this into my rankings. Uh, you've got the document in front of you. You can see it right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I had 316452. This is where I'm going to insert. Uh, ooh, I can't see because you're in the way. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. No, 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 it's all right. It's all right. I'm gonna, right. I'll tell you what mine is because you started. Yeah. I'm going to insert it into my third slot. I'm I think it's still 6134235 for me. <laughs> my, <laughs> so it's your third favorite. Call that number, 6174235. No idea whose number that is. <laughs> so for me... It gets it. It goes just above Mission Impossible Two, at the at your second to last spot. Second to last spot. Wow. That that really is where. It How lands. do I know this is your real opinion and not an entity uh, <laughs> mimicking your voice right now, where the real she here is somewhere else? Would I be wearing one of those masks? At I night don't know, that, man. That, that, this movie has a lot of rules. <laughs> <laughs> I really did think that this was of 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 the post three. Films, which is where mm-hmm. you know JJ Abrams mm-hmm. kind of comes in and defines what these films are going to be from this point uh, on. I'd say I, he's an outlier. Yeah, I, I think he kind of sits up the tone for what these films are going to be from this point. Forward. I don't think so. He, he literally does, and and he doesn't because none he of the other the produce- movies, none of the other movies feel like three. Really? Yeah. You don't think any of the other movies feel like three? No. I mean, they all feel like a spy action thriller. Like there's no question about that. But the way that Abrams handles story, narrative, and information is so different. Than and and every... I would argue bitter than all the other. Listen, that, that's the opinion. Other. I would argue worse. That's okay. It, really? Like, yeah. really? More I, than four I, or five. I am tired of stories that... I don't need everything explained to me. Like, right. no question. But when, when the whole thing is like, I'm not explaining anything to you. And I'm just like, okay, cool, man. Like, I, I hate I, the mystery I, box. I, I don't think that's what it is. I think what he... Well, what, I'm telling you. That's what, for me. No, no. What, but I think what Abrams does isn't that I'm not explaining to you in a sort of sly voice. I think what he's doing... Is he saying it's not important? What's important is the journey that Ethan will go on he's in order to you, get this. He's telling you that the actual plot of the movie is not important. The MacGuffin. Right. I think I'd like the whole thing to be important. Right. No, I I so what I love is that the MacGuffin is important. I don't care what the rabbit's foot is. Sure. The rabbit's foot is irrelevant to the entire I'm saying experience I'd rather have that have some meaning and whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't okay. have to go over that. Okay. Uh but but yeah, to me, this was the least, the the least favorite, and and I took second the least favorite. Second to least favorite. You still think two is the worst one? I do think two is the Did worst. You just, have you rewatched? Recently? I have rewatched two, and it like I understand that there is there's this like rethink about two as being like it's just a trashy romance novel, yeah, bro. But 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 I get that. I still find it difficult to watch. I was like, not. I, en- I was literally yeah. not enjoying it. Yeah. And Jamie said those words. And it literally, I could not believe the spiritual 180 I did. No, I I understand the sort of framing device in order to get you to that point. Oh, I was lovely. But but I still watch that movie and go, boy, this doesn't work for me. And like, 
like anytime anyone makes an argument for that movie, the argument generally boils down to, isn't it cool that he spins on a motorcycle with a gun and doves fly in oh, the I don't give a shit about that. I, that's what it the boils down The whole thing is, like, every one of those action sequences or moments is the cover of a romance novel. Like, it's so fucking but, but, silly. But but is that cool? Yeah, I mean, uh, is when, that cool? I don't when, know. When you think about it in that context, absolutely. <laughs> I, it does nothing for me. That's like right. when he's when he's walking up uh, when she when Thandi Newton's character uh, is I, I believe it's Tandy Newton by the way I might be mispronouncing that um, walks up and her scarf blows into Doug Ray Scott's hands. I'm like, oh god, I just I, I can't. Like Perfect. I get it, I get it, I get it that people are kind of doing this thing. I I don't buy it. Um, but context yeah, this, is everything. <laughs> this is this is the least favorite. Uh, for me, Here, here's what we have to have people do. Right. So Shahir's phone number rankings <laughs> is three one six four five seven two, and my phone number rankings are six one seven four two three five. Okay. Call those wow. numbers. Hold on. Your three. We, we're placing three at opposite ends. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Call those numbers, and whoever is the most friendly when you tell them a podcast randomly, not randomly, rank their Mission Impossible films, <laughs> and you have to see who would be the most friendly. Then you let us know. Side note, don't do that. Right. Don't call any of these people. <laughs> I like I like that we've both placed um, for the exact in, in fourth. Yeah, in fourth. Hey, in the middle place. That. Yeah. And and what I the reason why like for a long time, Ghost Protocol and Rogue, Rogue Nation, I found difficult to like actually delineate between the two of them. Um, watching Did Reckoning, I had the thought in my head that I there was a growing appreciation for what Brad Bird did in Ghost Protocol in terms of technology. Because in Dead Reckoning, there's a lot of hoopla about the entity, right? And then there's a lot of conversation about what do we do to, in order to combat a, um, uh, an artificial intelligence that can get around all of our modern technology. We need to go back to analog, right? But you never really feel the analog of the film. Like, he's still just talking to... like. Benji is still just calling instructions. A because, thousand percent. You know, and whereas in Ghost Protocol... Brad Bird really had a handle on how do we make the technology interesting Spy and then Brad. how do we break the technology? Yeah. Like, well, how does the technology not function how we want it to? Here's the thing. This is, and this is, I think, a thing that you are calling out as a legitimate weakness of this film, of Dead Reckoning Part 1, is, is the fact that they pull it off in my eyes is an incredible compliment because what you're calling out is problems. Also, side note, just because something... Okay, if the if the entity can infect anything that's digital, right? There's there are <laughs> there are ways that digital information can be transmitted across radio, right? And ways that that stuff could be undone and done based on technology. So it would find a way through it. Sure. Uh that's stupid. <laughs> but I just was so swept up in the in yeah. the in the spectacle of it all in the in the in the seriousness, this movie takes its ridiculous shit yeah. that I was there for it. I found that a lot of the exposition sequences where they're explaining the entity. See, this is the point about this versus uh, what J.J. Abrams did in, in uh, part three, is that all of this conversation about what the entity can do, what Ethan Hunt can do, how they're going to have to get it from this person to this person, I, I just... I found myself like really getting tired by all of that. I like the Whereas, world building. I, I, I found it really exhausting to watch. I found all the conversations went on too long without much substance. Because to them. if there's no world building, you'll stop. I mean, with one movie, I can see it working, but for a franchise, you're going to stop caring. I don't think, but the thing is, you're talking about 
so world building, as far as the IMF goes and their their mission and what they do, I think is kind of being established at this point. And I don't think this movie does anything to further that. What it's doing is world building around the entity. Sure. And for me, I don't care. I would rather <laughs> a villain, even if it's a ridiculous one, but one that has like a want and that has a meaning behind its want rather than I'm an arms dealer and I'm going to do this thing because I just want this thing. Like, I like again, performances, Philip Seymour Hoffman, great, phenomenal I, work. But I think I think about that film less than the other ones because... Really? Who's because, the villain in Ghost Protocol? Ghost Protocol is not one of my... One of my it's your number four. Who was the villain? In oh, I have no idea. Yeah. But I, I remember... <laughs> that's, that's my point. That's fair. I, what, I just, were they, what were they after? What were they after in Ghost Protocol? It was a nuclear arms code. That and they then were, five was... And five was Solomon Lane and the Syndicate. My point is this, is that I don't care about any of that stuff, and I like that J.J. Abrams... But then arm- why... Okay, <laughs> then why is the J.J. Abrams one low on mine? I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. You know, I, I'm just saying, for me, that works because it's... Okay, I think I got it. <laughs> Sorry, because you're 1,000% correct. I would still rather a story that explains more of the narrative of the world that's going on, mm-hmm. even if it's something that I don't remember in the long run. And I, and, 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 and I agree with that. Then my- have something that the movie is actively telling me, fuck it, I don't care, and I, you shouldn't care either. I don't think that is what part three is it saying. No, it is not that. saying that. It, you, it, that's the, the thing no, you've been praising. What I'm saying is the, the the rabbit's foot is irrelevant. Like, nobody gives a shit about right. what and the, the rabbit's foot. the story makes it very but, clear that the rabbit's foot But what's important is, is who wants the rabbit foot I understand. and how they can yep. get it. And as it turns out, in part three, uh, the IMF is implicated in that story. But the movie <laughs> is actively telling you that the rabbit's foot doesn't, like, it, from <laughs> what the rabbit's foot is doesn't matter. And from a world-building point of view, that is correct. Because what's important is who has it and who can get it. And what I'm saying is, in the case of the entity, they spend a lot of time explaining to you sure. like how the entity works, how it, how this key works, and none of that matters. Or, and it's all fucking boring as shit. I find <laughs> that, in the moment of watching a film, letting me latch onto it more than, oh, well, this random thing is powerful, most likely. That's all. The, That's point, all three does, my, and three does a lot of um, like mm. does a lot of character work around that. Right. I'm saying I need a balancing act of a bunch of different factors in one of these movies for me to really connect with it. Now, the, okay, so uh, okay, so we'll 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 agree to have our differing points sure. there. But then the execution of some of these scenes in Dead Reckoning. Oh yeah. So the scene, for example, where uh, the Carrie Ewell's character, who's the head of secu- uh, security, I believe it is for the White House. Is is being explained what the entity is by those four figures in the room sitting there all bouncing off each other, and then this mass. Oh yeah, that was real bad. It was real bad. Yeah, it's and it's and it's long, and it's and they're going on to explain like first off, all those people are explaining the entity and how it's unstoppable, and then. Ethan Hunt comes in and has a whole conversation with Kittredge, which lasts like another five to ten minutes, where he's exploded the room with this green vapor dust that everybody can see in front of a windowed room where there are a thousand agents standing outside. And that scene is fucking ten to fifteen minutes. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this thing is still going. Like, I just cannot. Sure. They give, also, me Lawrence, they- give me Lawrence Fishburne in, in Mission Impossible 3 saying, 
fuck you, don't answer a rhetorical question. And I understand exactly the power in the room. This is also a franchise that literally wears other people's faces like people chew bubblegum. So, but so just, my point is the ridiculous factor of these movies has gone out the window. That's fine. But, the, but, but what I'm saying is from a storytelling point of view, from a filmmaking storytelling point of view, that is a bad scene. Oh, it's, I it's think, a I think, really I bad think it scene. Is set up, I think it is set up sloppy, <laughs> and I think uh, it goes on too long. And then, and then the scene in the nightclub where, like, Obviously, the, those are the two worst scenes in my the, opinion. The, 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 but it's a long scene. It's a, these are really long the, scenes. The scene of in the nightclub in particular, I was is, like, are these people in the yeah. same room with one another? Yeah. It was, it was yeah. shot very, very and, oddly. And then I was like, oh yeah, the entity is the nightclub, right? Like, and it's just like, yes, I understood so, so, that okay, from the first moment. But here's the interesting <laughs> thing. So I didn't, I didn't clock that right. before it was sort of mentioned. And then I was like, I honestly felt it was cool. It was just another because I because the truth of the matter is, these franchises like the, the Mission Impossible franchise. Right. There's only so many either true MacGuffin chasing or legitimate discussion of of what the actual element of the problem is that villains are going toward, whether they have a, a beef with Ethan Hunt or not. Yada mm-hmm. yada yada. There's only so many of those you can do. Bef- you need to start changing something. And I'm not saying that they pulled off the entity with flying colors, but it was at least something different, and I was into it. Like, it, 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 like I really liked the moment that uh, it started fucking with his comms In, when they're, when they're through chasing Venice. through Venice. I, yeah, okay. I, I found, I, I liked the moment that it was fucking with the comms. I found the chase through Venice a little bit lackluster. Like, compared to, I mean, again, I, I, I don't want to be, say it as, like, three is the pinnacle and everything in three is great. But, like... Humpty Dumpty sat in a wall, you here. Yeah, Humpty Dumpty sat in a wall. <laughs> That's, the, the Vatican thing is so good. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, my point is, I find it difficult to find a bad sequence in three. I find it easy to point to, like, one, two, three. And even the Rome chase sequence, I found was, like... Yeah, you know, Fast and the Furious kind of got here a little bit earlier than you. A lot and, of Rome, and, a lot, there's a lot of Rome these days in movies. Like, like the fall, in Fallout, the chase sequence through, uh, is it London? I think it is. I can't, I can't remember which it's either four or five. European city. No, it's in Fallout. It's the European chase sequence where uh, Ethan Hunt oh, is yes. busting out uh, Solomon and Ilsa is there on the chase. So there's a motorbike. That sequence is phenomenal. Like, that sequence, like, that is uh, on par with the French connection as far as I'm concerned. The the Rome sequence in this movie, I thought was like, there were moments in it that were okay. I thought it was really good. And I also, <laughs> here's what I appreciated, especially after watching Indiana Jones. Right. Where every chase sequence felt like the last chase sequence. <laughs> the chase sequences in this movie feel different from one another. Sure. Uh, I'll I, give it that. I, like, and the reason why I think I like the Venice sequence is because it is so claustrophobic as opposed to the streets of Rome. And I really did appreciate... Uh, the fight in the thin in the thin uh, alleyway yep. because it felt different. I, I, d- I agree that it felt different. Ooh, ooh, wait, but can I tell you something that I didn't like? Something else because it just reminded me. Yeah. So, side note: uh, a character that is a bit perfunctory, Paris, yeah, played Paul, by uh, Paul, 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 I, Paul yeah, whom yeah. I love as yeah. an actress, and she did a great job in this movie. Yeah. Um. There's a turn where she just helps Ethan because Ethan didn't bash her head in with a pipe once. <laughs> and I was like, uh, 
okay. You know what I? You know I, I agree with you. It's if if that scene hadn't been set up by the fact that so and and again the thing with the entity as well is that there's a I, I think the movie did this one too many times. It did a couple of things too many times. One, it did the magic trick of who has the key. You I, know, like it. it's I in, like that every time. It, it's in this pocket. No, actually, I got it. I like it. Uh, it, it did I like close-up magic. It did, it did it one too many times for me. And then um, the other thing was the entity knows what you're going to do, so maybe you should do the thing that you think you're going to do. Actually, the entity knows that you are going to do that as well. It does that a few times, and the only reason I will let off the Palm Klementoff scene at the end is that the entity in the, in the nightclub sequence – they they call out the fact that this is going to happen, and she and in her final sequence she says she didn't believe it was going to happen, but here it is, and I thought that was a good sit up and payoff. Uh, it, it is as you say, if they didn't have the sit up to it, it's it's ridiculous. But but I like because the, of the other ridiculous thing yeah. you signed off on it. When but it my happened. point my my point is still, um, unlike Fallout for example, because so, I keep referring to three. Fallout, I think, has like like the 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 Halo jump sequence, um, which I still have like difficulties with. Like, why did they do that, need to do that? But but whatever, it's a great scene. <laughs> and then the bar fight, uh, the the bathroom fight. Oh yeah, like, like that reloading is a, arms. Those are exceptional sequences. I can't really say that about Dead Reckoning, except for the final set piece. I, I with one exception, I thought the um, the the sand dune. Uh, shootout where they're trying to get Elsa. Elsa has the key and it's uh-huh. at the beginning and it's kind of told in a sort of elliptical way where we're kind of flashing back and forth. I thought that was beautiful. I thought it was really beautifully done. Yeah, but he also never knew where... I mean, again, the whole thing is, it's, since it's a sandstorm, you don't, no one really knows where anything is. But, but like, I, but it was beautiful. I, it I, looked I, different. It looked it, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I, but, liked, but I, I really liked the airport. Airport scene, I think, was... That felt very Mission Impossible to me. Yeah. There's a moment that makes zero fucking sense Yeah, uh, where he sees Gabriel, then it glitches out, but then he moves his glasses and he's gone, and you're like, wait, so what just <laughs> happened? Like, yeah. and, and like, Because at that point, Ethan has not seen Gabriel yet. Therefore, why would he be thinking about Gabriel in that particular moment? No, but I think what's happened is that the entity is hacked into his into his control system. Oh, so he couldn't see Gabriel? Yeah. And but then he takes the glasses off, off and Gabriel's gone. So yeah, I, I, that's, again, sure. The entity is removing Gabriel in real time. Right, but yeah. he takes, I think he takes off his glasses. Yeah. Either anyway. way, I think the sequence is cool. I liked that. I liked Rome. I liked Venice. Uh, the party's meh. Uh, and the train sequence. The train sequence is exceptional. I, I found I think the train sequence on a visceral watching with, it with everything other than his entrance into the train the moment it enters yeah. I think was really really good I also really liked seeing uh, Uncharted uh, remade yeah. uh, in yeah. a, a train sequence like they, it's I mean look there's only so many things you could do with a hanging train I'm yeah. not faulting them for for doing but, some but of similar I, things I like that it was like based in a sort of logical physics. You know, like, like yeah, the train, the tra- well, no, okay, hang on. The train, one carriage is falling out, so they've got to climb up that carriage, and the weight of that carriage pulls the next carriage down, and so they've got to climb up that, and and in within each of these carriages is a series of real 
things, for example, a piano and a, hot, a kitchen where there's fire. The and kitchen hot is oil. very cool. Like I'm just saying, they're based on like a logical. They are based on what's in a train car. I will not say a single thing about that sequence is based in real physics. There what, was really? a piano that was attached by one vinyl strap until the very moment that it didn't need to be. There were like the 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 trains the train cars fell at rates. And again, I loved this sequence, yeah. mind you, but I would not call it r- r- like realistic okay, physics. Okay, okay, fair. Uh, let's call it based on movie physics, which didn't pull me out of the film. Great. Based on movie, sure. like like uh, on the, in the same way when you play the Uncharted video games, and it's like yes. escalating. Th- this movie of did events. do one other thing that I didn't like, and okay. I just sort of remembered it at the end of action sequences, <laughs> including that one. A big thing will happen. Like a big thing will happen. You're like, whoa. And then all of a sudden they'll cut to characters standing there and they're fine. Like they got out in the nick of time, but they don't show them getting out in the nick of the time. So they do that with the last train car. And they they do do it in the Venice car chase Uh, sequence. Which, by the way, Grace Grace straight up tries to kill him like three times. Sits him up for death, right? And he walks away with like, maybe you should join the IMF. (laughs) Like, Like it is like she has chained him to a car where a train is coming on board. It's like, and, so, and, and, and I think maybe, you know, like, if we were being charitable to the characters, like, well, she knew he'd get out of it? No, no, fuck <laughs> that. He should have no shit. Uh, look, this is sort of my, the reasoning, after all of this stuff, because there are things I do not like about this movie. Right. But there's some sort of fucking charm and excellence to the way that they implement a lot of this stuff that right. makes me not give a shit. Right. Like, if, I, I mean, hey, you're 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 going to bat for part two. I can <laughs> I can pick up I could pick this thing apart, but it would bring me no joy. Like like, it it wore its heart, its ridiculous dumb AI heart on its sleeve, uh. and I accepted it with with open arms. <laughs> uh, this is my last point. Okay, here's it did something else that I really think a lot of part ones or or cliffhanger esque yeah, films yeah. don't do well. This did have a satisfying conclusion mm-hmm. to the story that this particular movie was telling. Right. Does it set up something else for the next one? Sure. And I, I am interested in sort of where that goes or what they're going to do with it. However, I'll say this straight up. This is rare for a part one that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. If part two never came out, mm-hmm. I would still think this is a solid enough ending. Okay. Because it, it wraps up everything that we were set up in the movie. We have Except all the entity. The entity is. Uh, uh, I'd be interested to see what the entity actually is and how they interact with it later right. down the line. But as far as the story of the characters are concerned in this movie, everyone is in a place at the end, like that I understand and that, like, it, if I never got the rest of this, I'd be like, oh man, I wonder what happened. But I wouldn't be like, fuck this movie. Like, I, like, again, like, is that, uh, and with the I, difference of Spider Verse. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying, but it's also, Spider Verse like ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I understand what you're saying. I'm just like, I wonder if that's an indication whether the movie is not successful as a part one. I'm, I'm because telling you, because you, it you is. don't, you For don't me. need to see part two, is what you're saying. I'm interested in seeing part two. Right. But it, it it's not, it's not holding me by the neck over a right. cliff to see part two. Gotcha. Okay. I just appreciate that. Because for a two-hour and 40-minute fucking movie, yeah. to have an ending that it got to that it is a part one tells me that the movie at the very least respects my time in that way. Right. And I do appreciate that. It didn't, it Fast, didn't feel like you watched half a movie. Right. Fast X. Yeah. 
three-fourths of the characters might be dead and they're like bye and it's like okay like uh, fine I, I i i guess i didn't care enough about fast x to go to i, I thought fa like i was surprisingly okay with fast X. it's the ridiculousness that sort of gets that by but at the same time i don't like movies that end on that level of a cliffhanger like there's no fuck like you this movie to me dead reckoning part one proved to me in that regard you mm. can have your cake and eat it too you don't need a fucking like oh no <laughs> like and like ha like it's just I, whatever Gabriel, especially after two hours and 40 minutes yeah uh, I, like i said i'm i'm on the other side of this which is that um my my feeling about the part one part two-edness of this all because we have seen quite a few of these now uh dune fast x uh across the spider-verse um and this uh is that i didn't i didn't feel unsatisfied by the by the conclusion of the mm -hmm. film but i kind of was like and the adventure will just continue in the second one and maybe that's okay whereas the other films particularly dune and across the spider-verse i was kind of like I only feel like I've watched half of a movie, and I and that makes me a little bit more annoyed. Mm -hmm. um, so, so maybe in the in the sort of the split of it all, but but at the same time, I am at this point uninterested in the entity and the story of the entity and Gabriel uh, and and all of that. Where I'm like, uh, I don't like. It just feels like the adventure is going to continue, and it's at this point not an adventure that I'm like really invested in i will say i'm definitely gonna go see it because the thing you mentioned is that um Cruz and macquarie um really are invested in the scale of the cinematic spectacle and and they like you said you feel your time your money has been valued when you go see that and you don't feel like you've seen just half of a movie mm -hmm. um so so i think on that level it works on the level of Mission Impossibles, it is, it, as I said, is my second least favorite. And is also, it, oddly, you know, like my, Shivali has been on this podcast. I think she was on the Rogue Nation episode. I think so, actually. Yeah, and, and, and she talked a lot about, for her, who, a person who doesn't love to go to the movies a lot, Tom Cruise is a safe bet. Like, it, it, it is like a, is an easy, safe bet that she is willing to like. She watched uh, Maverick at home and she loved it. She freaking loved it. You know, she was like, this is, uh, this is why I want to go to the movies. Absolutely loved it. And I also, at the same time, appreciate Tom Cruise on that level. This is the first one where I said to her, I, I came out of the movie going, I don't think you need to go see this. Huh. I really, I was like, I don't, I don't think you're going to get a lot out of this. And I don't think this is going to do much for you. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Yeah. Uh, I, I am curious. This is what happens with movies that have a lot of silly scenes with techno babble in them mm -hmm. it, that I like on first viewing. Yeah. It's either on a second viewing, I'll be like, or I'll be like, no, it explains it clearer, and I understand. <laughs> like, I, like, like, it, look, the 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 issue. I don't think this is the issue that you're having. So don't. I, this is not me trying to hand wave because everything you've said is very very true. Right. But I will say the mileage of bullshit sci-fi stuff getting injected into franchises for me when. Right when there's so much other film craft being shown on the table mm -hmm. after years of a, of, a, of 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 similar narrative structure stories is this the same uh wait is, well i'm just like my, my point is yeah. that 
I accept that much quicker, it feels like, than you might. Right. Th- th- that's not to say mm-hmm. that everything else that you have said that mm-hmm. this movie has a problem of, many conversational bullshit exposition pacings, mm-hmm. um, uh, a-, a narrative that you just don't particularly care about, like, all of that is a different issue. I think I can pave over that that bumpy road smoother in my brain because I'm like, yeah, 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 evil AI. Oh, fuck, it's talking to him now? Holy shit, Ethan Hunt's talking to a fucking AI. Like, th- like there's just that lizard part of my brain that's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, are, are the fast boys going to space? Fucking sweet. <laughs> like, and, and to have that tied with the earnestness uh, and the seriousness overall of this movie. Granted, there is one joke, and that is the fiat. Mm-hmm. My whole theater erupted in right. that moment, which I thought was hilarious because it's a pretty basic joke, but I was fucking eating it up. Also, it's like the um, is there's a logic to it, which is that driving around Rome with a Fiat is much easier, much than, easier. Than, a, than a Humvee. Yeah, yeah, or or a sports car. Yeah, well, well, it's just Palm uh, Paris has a Humvee. Oh yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's that's like right, breaking. Right. She's breaking through the same bridge that uh, Vin and his. His gang of merry men did, yeah. did, did, did the week before, and look, where they, play, point, where they played Rocket League. Yeah, so my point there is again, that's not the movie's fault. It, it's not. No, it's not the movie's fault. But in a weird way, and this is weird for me to say this, I kind of like the Fast X sequence through Rome more than I like this sequence. You're 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 going you're going Inferno over Dante's Peak at this point. Yeah, it's weird, right? But like, but but then. What I, my point is the sequence in Fallout where they're cha- they're ro- uh, I think it's through Paris actually mm-hmm. um, that sequence trumps both of these by a mile like like that sequence is incredible sure um, it's a different feeling sequence yeah. I, I just think that that ch- car chase sequence it, it's not about the cars or the chase it's like it's really character and and visual dynamics you know like it really works in that sequence sure um, and I've I struggle with that in this movie like finding that like you know the Burj Khalifa like I, I I you know the thing I pointed out about Ghost Protocol which is like what is the villain what do they want couldn't even answer it um the Burj Khalifa scene in that film is still miraculous it's incredible sure and 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 everything that's going on in that sequence where they're having to like get these papers and Jeremy Renner has these like contact lenses which is like which takes photos and they're transferring the photos from one briefcase to there amazing stuff that's incredible stuff um I, I just none of that in this movie. There's a lot of like, well, I put it in this person's pocket, and now it's not actually in this person's pocket. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I, you know, like, yeah. I mean, look, it's missing, I, I, it's missing the magic for me. I, I think, and again, the the, the trick of this is, <laughs> I think four and five are the ones I've revisited the, I've seen the longest ago. So that's why I'm not remembering them. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I remember the enjoyment, not the plot points. Yeah. Um. This is one, though, that also, while enjoying it, I'll remember what this movie was about. Okay. Yeah, because the AI, because we, we live because, in an AI world. Well, no, no, because <laughs> it, it, I would say this one has, and I won't say for better or worse, has the most original villain and threat out of all of them. I, I, I do agree with that point. Because other than Philip think, Seymour Hoffman. But I, Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can't tell you, and again, it's weird that I still rank three fairly low in this. Yeah, because maybe that's not what I'm looking. Maybe what three does isn't what I'm looking for in a Mission Impossible movie. I I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to examine that further. Right. I think all of three is just archetypes, like through and through. You're you're right in the sense that like 
not about Ethan. Could be about anybody. He wants man wants this thing. Other man wants to stop man from getting this thing. That's the story. Mm. Okay. But Philip Seymour Hoffman injects like the the performance he gives is of a dude that is truly just doing a thing and like a sociopath that doesn't like have the emotional reaction to whatever that makes that character memorable menacing as well like menacing I, because he doesn't care about ethan hunt sure <laughs> but also from a stakes perspective i care less about it see it's weird because for me that makes him more dangerous is that he if he could it's just less information though but but, but the, which the i guess thing, is scarier yeah because because but, to me what it what it sort of posits is that he is a villain that like you know the villain problem in that Austin Powers points out where it's like um, Austin Powers' dad says, I'm going to put him in a shark tank filled with laser, be- you know, sharks with freaking lasers. And Austin Powers' sons goes, just give me a gun. I'll just shoot him in the head. That's what Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is. Like, just give me a gun. I'll shoot him in the head. And but- I find that like that is kind of like for for Ethan's character more terrifying because Maybe, he's like, but it's also less interesting to I, me. I, I find it more. I, I find it more menacing. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna. At, at, at yeah. any rate, um, I agree with your point that the entity, as far as a conceptual idea, is more interesting than almost anything that's come since, and probably more interesting than the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in in three. But it's like for me, the issue is the conversations and the execution. And how this is explained is so poorly handled that that I found it like really dull. You just wait until part two and they reveal that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character <laughs> just, is oh, actually <laughs> is actually the entity yeah. that has been he's been digitized. <laughs> and I, I really want to make this point here. Um, I'm not holding these films like especially not holding three up as um, as like the most amazing action film ever. What I think I love about and, three, and I also think it's a good action film. I, I think it's I, I think it's really really good. What I love about three is it's relentless and it's succinct, and it gets across what it needs to get across in the most efficient way possible, and sits up the stakes really well. And I, I I I'm in awe of the fact that it does that so well. I found that the more the movies have gone on, they've kind of become again delivery devices for set pieces. But Fallout for me, you know, Macquarie's writing and Fallout and Macquarie's direction and Fallout really like brought it all together in a way that I think, you know, I'd been waiting for since three. And so I want to say that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I, as far as action movie goes, it's, you know, probably the most successful one of these is Mission Impossible 1, right? Like, Well, that's <laughs> the one that I think weirdly feels the most, this is going to be an odd thing to say, feels the most original. Like it, it is, is, it, it is it the was, first one, but also, uh, and a, it was a remake of a TV but show. But it's also like, but it's a true blockbuster spy movie. Yeah, there's it's really action, good. but it's a spy movie. The, you know, not gr- gunfights, <laughs> not bikes spinning around and hair blowing. Well, it does not, have the amazing train sequence. Sure, yeah, incri- that, that train se- sequence is incredible. And you know, the famous story between Robert Town and, uh, and Brian De Palma was that uh, Robert Town, who, read, who wrote Chinatown, uh, wanted the ending of the film to be a sort of a conversation between Phelps and Ethan, where they kind of like, uh, it, it, was, it was more of a conversation where they, they exchanged ideas and um, they, they hashed it out. And Brian De Palma was like, 
I kind of want to have a big train sequence here where the train gets blown up and that's how they duke it out. And it was like, and there was a real mano a mano about it. And they both, bo- they put it to Tom Cruise eventually, who's the producer on the film. And Tom eventually went with the, with the, um, with the train sequence. And that's how that ended up. But it was like, you know, they had, he was, they were fighting to have that sequence. And in many ways, that sequence sits the, not just, uh, sits the sort of, mold for blockbuster franchises moving forward but for this franchise in particular it needs to end on a cliffhanger like or, or on a, a big stunt. A, a big stunt like that and that stunt it's still incredible the the fucking the langley heist that's amazing the you know the langley yeah, heist I mean, it's, a, yeah. it, it's it's incredible you know like in the the sweat drop through his glasses that's just you know like that is so memorable that yeah. that i think that'll be to the point where there are moments in many of the films i remember three because i just watched it there's there's like callbacks yeah. to the that physicality yeah. in it which is silly and i liked it yeah uh it's regardless a- anyway we've been we we could because because we're literally talking about seven films in this episode about one yeah uh we could keep going forever uh i like that we kind of had different mileages on it yeah um I I will be excited to see the next one. You don't seem like you will be. I, I will go see it, but this movie has not warmed me to the idea of going to see it. You'll see it out of an out of a sense of obligation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what all movies want. Yeah. yeah. Uh any well, I mean, look, that's great. Yeah. This is why hey, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. What did you see about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One? <laughs> this being the only podcast <laughs> about that film, by the way. Uh, inevitably nobody has talked about this. Nobody movie. is talking. Well, actually, I think it's come on uh, at this point under expectations from a budget point of view or from a box office point of view. Probably. But what is you know but what, what is, is it? That, what is, yeah, what is it's that almost really as if the economy is being squeezed. What does that really mean these days? Uh nothing. Um, money is made up. Um, Shahir, when you are not, uh, okay, <laughs> this has got to be good. You're, you're when giggling. You, when you are not having a dangerous device implanted into your head that could explode at any time that you ripped off from Escape from New York, where could folks find you? You can find me trying, uh, hurriedly trying to get an EKG to my chest. At my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are not uh, 100% being replaced by an AI uh, entity who is taking your voice uh, and is telling us why Mission Impossible 7 is the greatest of the the bunch, where can people find you? You can find me at my website, 011101110110111011, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works, also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or PSN, and of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter, or just my regular old name, Matthew Kroll, on the blue sky. Uh, next week, Barbie. we are going to be Barbie girls in a Barbie world. What do you think? I, I have a, Do you think these movies are going to underperform? I think everything's going to underperform. Barbie and, and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well, so this is okay. This is an interesting thing. Okay. The Barbenheimer movement. Mm, yeah. No, no, no. For for yeah. I think for people that are truly interested in movies, mm-hmm. they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. <laughs> but like I, I could see why people don't. Mm-hmm. I think the concept of Barbenheimer and turning it into like, oh well, like a double feature event, ha ha. Yeah. will actually move way more tickets for both. <laughs> like, yeah. I think in a world where, let's be very real, Oppenheimer and Barbie, 
even though they are being helmed by phenomenal directors and taken in interesting directions and 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 etc. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't I, they their Venn their Venn diagrams or their like uh, mm-hmm. user bases are smaller than say a Mission Impossible. Right. But when you make a joke out of it that everyone on the internet can enjoy, you get that real Nicole Kidman. We come to this place for <laughs> magic moment, <laughs> and I don't don't discount the meme is what I'm saying. Okay. I think that might be a thing that moves the needle a little in both of those films' favor. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very I, curious. I'm, I'm glad that everyone, like, Cruz has come out and, and has bought, tech, you know, like, you know, there was a story that he was upset that Oppenheimer was basically bumping Mission Impossible out of IMAX theaters. But they didn't shoot in IMAX. And, uh, yeah, and that was the, actually, I did see it in IMAX, and it was like, oh, yeah, this wasn't shot in IMAX. Yeah. And it, like, kind of bugged me. Um, but, uh I like that all three of the filmmakers have gotten together and said, you know, look, we've all got movies that are coming out in the summer. Let's, you know, all uh, rising tide lifts all boats kind yep. of thing, you know. Not that these movies, that, that's the other thing. These three movies are the biggest movies on the planet right now, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, you know, whether they need the extra promotion or not. Again, solidarity with the WGA and the, uh, the SAG. Yeah, since the last over. podcast, SAG has joined uh, the picket lines and striked yeah. as well. Um, wishing everybody out there... Uh, Easy at times, as best as they possibly can. Uh, there are multiple ways uh, that uh, maybe we can find. I'll give you some links here, but because we did them in uh, at breakfast, that you can uh, donate to both the WGA and the and SAG after in the time if you want to help out actors and writers who are fighting for their very livelihoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Um, please do that. Uh, yeah, and I guess until next week, our mission should we choose to accept it is to take our roller skates everywhere we go roller blades is a roller blades yeah oh man i can't wait to find (laughs) out i've not seen the trailer but i've seen that moment it's great yeah oh my god i i can't oh my god are we kins or we barbies well so if when we do the graphic it's gonna have to be i'm sorry i already know it's gonna be the cut the different cut of Barbie looking scared holding the, the arresting sign. Okay. And Ken, like, holding it like a psychopath. <laughs> which like one am I? Which, which I don't know I? yet. Yeah. We're going to see which photos. All right, all right. All right, till next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.